In this episode, I'll talk about nine habits for excellent horsemanship. And these are the things that people who get good results with horses think about. They're what will help you problem solve and better understand what's going on with your horse. They'll help you understand what you're doing and your effect that you're having. And they're going to give you more possibilities for things to change in order to make things better. So here we go. Episode 11, Nine Habits for Excellent Horsemanship. Hi, I'm Karen Rolfe, and welcome to Horse Training in Harmony. This podcast is about you making progress with your horse in a way that you both can love. It's about learning how to move and be in harmony. Because yes, you really can develop a horse to be both athletic and happy. When we show up as our best selves for our horses, our horses will show up for us. So let's get started. In episode nine, I talked about the what and the how and how I created the horsemanship course by starting with the end in mind. And I talked about how I started with the mindset and the decision-making process and the principles of horsemanship. And the, the reason I did that is because we, I think we all know people who know how to do all the techniques, but they still don't make the best decisions about which technique to use when or how to apply the technique or more importantly, how to just be with their horses. And then there are some people who seem to have very little formal education, but horses just seem to love them and they seem to be really effective with them. So that's, that's what I was looking at when I came up with the nine habits. So again, in episode nine, I talked a lot about um, how I created the horsemanship course. So I wanted to do a podcast and go a little bit deeper into that and explain more what's, what I mean by those nine habits. So in this podcast, I want to give kind of an overview and get you thinking in the direction of these habits and open up more possibilities because of that. You know, this is, of course is just going to be a surface look at it. Uh, you know, there's a whole course on this. Uh, to find that whole course, you can go to dressagenaturally.net slash habits, or just go to the dressagenaturally.net website. You'll see in the top navigation, there's a tab called programs. And if you click on that, you can scroll down and find habits for excellent horsemanship. Uh, it's the kind of course you can start anytime. It's totally self-paced. You have lifetime access. And what's really cool is four times a year, I do live Q&A calls. So you guys can send in questions about what's going on with you and your horse. And we get on a webinar and I answer them and sometimes talk to you guys about it. So that's fun. All right. So let's just dive right in and take a look at what the nine habits for excellent horsemanship are, uh, according to me. <laughs> So number one, and I don't know if I put these in any particular order. I don't think I did. Although I started with partnership, 
And probably that's a good place to start. So the idea with partnership. Oh, wait, before I before I get into this, I the analogy that I like to use um, for these habits is is kind of like dials you can turn. All right. So you're out there, you're doing stuff with your horse and maybe it's not working so well. So you want to have some options, right? And I think um, excellent horsemen, one of the things they do is they, they know their options so they can step back and go, huh, <laughs> that's not working. What else I, could I do? So if you think about, um, gosh, when my, uh, my husband's a musician, so he goes in the recording studio and the engine, the sound engineer has this like huge wall of knobs, right? <laughs> like, you know, on my stereo, I had like treble, middle, bass, right? I'm not a musician. I'm not a sound engineer. But in his music studio, it's it's literally a wall of knobs. And I've asked the guy, I'm like, Ryan, do you really like listen to something and like know to go over to that wall and turn that one of these thousand knobs? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> that's what makes him an excellent sound engineer. So I think excellent horsemen have the same idea. We've got lots of knobs we can turn now. I don't have a thousand. There probably are a thousand knobs. There's probably 10,000 knobs we can turn. Uh, but I thought nine might be a good place to start. It's plenty. And uh, it, you know, it'll give you enough to think about without going, oh my gosh, I'll never do this. All right, back to the nine habits. So partnership. When you lead with your heart, your horse will follow. When you lead with your heart, your horse will follow. And that's the basic idea of partnership. It's the, it's the idea that we're doing this probably, I hope, hopefully, because we love horses. And so we have to remember that because often we get, you know, goal oriented and we entered the show or the competition, or we have to pass some sort of criteria or assessment and it's easy to start going, just do this for me because I said so. And I think we need to always remember, you know, that that we want to do this together. At least that's my perspective. I want to feel like it's me and my horse doing it together. That to me is the stuff that feels good. And that's the stuff that I come in the house and I'm like floating on air uh, and I come in and I tell my husband all the stuff and I just tell him nod and smile while I tell you about how fantastic my ride was or my session with my horse was. And he nods and smiles. But like that's the stuff that feels good. It's it's the moments where you feel like um, you like your horse is reading your mind, like you thought about it and the horse, you know, met you at least halfway and in order for our horses to meet us halfway, we've got to meet them halfway. We've got to, you know, go to harmony. We've got to harmonize with them. We've got to see things from their perspective. We've got to understand that inherently we are predators and they are prey animals. And from the minute we start thinking about them, we need to act and think and be a little bit differently than most of our human nature. Some people are born half horse. I, I don't think I was born half horse. I think I was born part, maybe a small fraction. <laughs> uh, 
you know, and in, and maybe an inherent innate ability to kind of feel them and connect with them. But as we start to have goals, we need to, I think, be much more conscious about it and to realize that a lot of our human behaviors um, turn off horses. They trigger the prey-predator um, relationship. So partnership is a habit when we you can stand back. That's one of those dials to turn. Things are going well, stand back. Think about how you're thinking about, are you thinking about your horse in a partnership-y kind of way? Or are you thinking about your horse in a boss employee kind of way? Or are you thinking about your horse in a boss slave kind of way? And if you find yourself thinking those thoughts, you might want to turn that knob a little bit. Okay. Another of the habits of excellent horsemanship is clarity. And clarity comes from an intention passing through a mind without judgment, a body without brace, and a heart that is open. Can you tell I'm a heart-centered equestrian? <laughs> there, I'm just on number two, and I've mentioned heart in both of them. Yeah, so clarity is so important. I, I truly believe that horses really are trying to figure out what the heck we are trying to do. <laughs> You know, they see us flailing around and they would like to be comfortable and successful. And they're just like, am I, is that apply to me or is she just flailing? Right. So we've all seen the big cartoon of somebody using a lot of aids and nothing's happening. Right. And then we've seen and hopefully felt the moments where you're thinking it and the horse is already doing it kind of in a almost mystical way. Like, how do they know? It's like they're reading my mind, right? So there's a spectrum and we're somewhere on the spectrum. And, you know, how do we become more clear? It There's a, some clues in the quote that I just read to you. So clarity comes from an intention passing through a mind without judgment. So many times I see students and myself too, admittedly, where I'm asking, and at the same time I'm asking, I'm wondering if I'm doing it right. Or I'm telling myself, this will never work. Or so, you know, something, some version of my brain going, are you sure? It's never worked in the past. Oh, that horse is lazy. He won't do that. So judgments. So we need minds without judgment. We need to see every moment exactly as it is in this present moment. And a body without brace. So many times I've seen students asking for the canter, but they really kind of don't want the horse to canter, right? So they're a little bit braced. They're like, go, but not too much. Go, please don't go. <laughs> right? So, or there's just natural crookedness that's going to cause some sort of tension that's unnecessary in the body. So always trying to be as clear, open-minded, present in the moment, single focusly, focused on the task at hand with a body that's balanced so it can have no undue tension and no fear that's causing held tension. And again, a heart that's open that we're maybe not so quick to be critical, that we're open to seeing what the horse naturally is wanting to offer because that's good feedback. So clarity, very important. 
All right. Another of the nine habits for excellent horsemanship is the reflex to relax because everything comes from and returns to relaxation. That's huge. And, you know, I could easily put that one number one because everything comes from and returns to relaxation. We, you know, horses start relaxed. We want them to end relaxed and hopefully we want them to be relaxed even in the middle of our sessions, knowing that power is energy plus relaxation. Energy without relaxation is tension. So being relaxed doesn't mean doing nothing. And relaxation is just an incredibly interesting topic just because of that, because relaxation can live within powerful move, uh, movements. Um, so, you know, I know Bruce Lee, you know, famous martial artist, you know, it's, he's, I should have looked up the quote before I did this, but he had some sort of quote about, it's not this, you know, throwing a punch isn't about, you know, how many muscles you use. It's, it's about allowing it. So we want to have a reflex to relax for ourselves and to help nurture that for our horses. So has anybody experienced your horse spooks and then, or startles, and then the startle or the spook is over and you hang on to that for, oh gosh, could be a year. <laughs> you know, if you fall off, it might be 10 years, right? So that we, we have a, it's, it's, there's no, um, survival mechanism. It's, it's evolutionarily advantageous to err on the side of stay tense, right? Cause you won't miss anything though. The animals that have uh, been, you know, a little calm, you know, might miss the line. Ah, that lion's not really hungry. Oops. Right. So, but we don't live in that environment anymore. There are not, for most of us, lions going to attack us. So we need to be conscious of turning off the tension. And that's a lifelong practice. I mean, from meditation or just mantras or just breathing exercises, however you can feel like, okay, in this moment, something scary happened and then it stops. Can you clear it completely? completely. I don't know if I'm a master of that, but I'm very conscious of it. And I can, I know when I've cleared it and when I haven't. And the same thing with our horses, you know, that some horses can go, ah, what's that? Oh, it's nothing. <laughs> and some horses go, ah, what's that? And then the, for the next, however long, they're going to keep checking that location. So going deep into, can we help the horses and help ourselves be able to clear tension that does inevitably come up. I mean, it's, it's life. We're going to have tense moments or, you know, high spirited moments. That's not all negative, but we want to be able to like get the heart rate back down again, right? Heart rate up, heart rate back down. And what's that heart rate variability index or something like that? You know, the ability for you to go, boom, get the, get the heart up and then phew, drop it back down. It's a sign of fitness. And it's also a sign of emotional fitness. And I think we all know that feeling of holding on to stuff that's not actually happening in the moment. Okay, the next habit, nurture curiosity. Every time you nurture curiosity, 
you open wider the doorway to all possibilities. You know, we, we inevitably will run into challenges or problems or things that don't work. And I've seen students sometimes who will try an exercise. And I try my hardest to describe how to do the exercise and you do this and step one, step two, and they'll do it and be like, yeah, that doesn't work. That's a dumb exercise. I'm like, okay, well, I wonder, you know, I wonder how it could work. <laughs> You know, so when you nurture curiosity for yourself, it's about asking the right questions of yourself. Instead of saying, you know, why can't I do this? Whatever you, whatever question you ask yourself, your brain will come up with an answer. Your brain wants to be right and it wants to be smart. So if you go, hey, brain, why can't this, why doesn't this work? What's wrong with me? It'll give you a million reasons why. So if you want a little more empowering question, you can ask yourself something like, huh, I wonder what I could do differently to make that work better. Total shift. And if you catch yourself, what is that voice in your head saying? Is it saying questions that turn off curiosity? and Or is it asking questions that turn on curiosity? So one of the questions that, that I find the most helpful is, is um, to say to my horse, like, huh, hey, horse, how can I help you with this? <laughs> or I wonder, I wonder what else I could do. So if you're getting frustrated, get off your horse or go sit on the fence and go, I wonder, I wonder what else I could do. It's such a simple question. And right away, it'll turn on the curiosity part of your brain. Your brain will be tasked with trying to figure out an answer. And I think you'd be surprised at how, um, how wise your brain can be at coming up with answers, but you've got to turn on curiosity. And now curiosity with your horses are, is really important. Also, curiosity is a sign of confidence. So if you have a horse that's scared of something, they're probably going to want to be fleeing it, either freezing or fleeing it, or some horses will go attack it, right? So fight, flight, or freeze. And there's a moment where things change and they get confident enough to become curious about it. And they'll approach it in a different way, kind of going, what is that? I wonder what that is. And they'll be trying to sniff it usually. So you want to encourage curiosity so many times horses are kept in places that have um, that are are not necessarily completely horse safe. They've been built for humans to look good, but they've not been made safe for horses to be free in, or they're surrounded by really expensive stuff, really expensive bridles, saddles, fittings, hardware, plants, artwork, whatever in their stable. And so when they go to sniff or investigate, they've often been smacked away. Uh, so you want to make sure you're noticing curiosity because curiosity is tied with confidence. So um, if you turn off curiosity, you can turn off confidence and think of how important curiosity is in the training process. I mean, 
training a horse is the horse figuring out what you mean by something and figuring out what the answer is. And it's really hard to do that without some curiosity, unless your training method is just shut up and let me push you around, in which case curiosity is not needed, but you're going to be pushing that horse around a lot because he's not going to be thinking for himself. So I really love curiosity. I actively nurture it. I love my horses to have ideas. I love for them to tell me what they're interested in and what they're not interested in. And I think by nurturing curiosity, you and your horse will be much, much better off. Another of the habits for excellent horsemanship is time and timing. The only time to act is now, but there are lots of nows to choose from. So as I said before, you know, with respect to time, we want to be in this moment, um, responding, assessing, feeling what's happening right now. And we have to act now in this moment. And a lot of the exercises that I do with students are to really help students trust their instincts so that they can feel and give feedback immediately to the horse and not wait for me to tell them or their instructor to tell them. Like they ask a horse a question, the horse gives something, an answer, and they right away tell the horse, nope, I need a little more, or yes, that was it. So a lot of times there's that delay because um, they have a mind with judgment, they're doubting or thinking or wondering. And so part of that is lack of clarity, as I said before, but there's then there also is a delay in timing. So over here, it was fantastic. They wonder to themselves. Then they think, well, maybe that was good. And then they, they reward their horse, but it's too late. <laughs> things changed <laughs> or the other way around, or they're too, too slow in correcting things. So being in the right moment and being quick enough to act on time, that's also timing. But the... The thing with time is sometimes the best cure for a problem is to not address it right now. So especially with, well, with any horse, but I find when I'm starting horses, there's often something that some horse has a little more trouble with than maybe another horse does. And, and sometimes with big warm bloods, their canners are kind of wonky for a little while. And when they're in the beginning stages, there's often a time when I go, you know what? I think I'm just not going to canter them right now, especially if they're still growing and they're really in that early stage. Like just not to push it. Like, cause if I pushed it and maybe they're unbalanced or some other weird thing is happening, I might just go, you know what? Maybe now is not the time. And I think that applies for a lot of exercises. If you're having an inordinate amount of trouble and you can't figure out why, sometimes the best thing to do is just stop and say, maybe we're not ready. Maybe now is not the time for this exercise. And then you can go home and think and get curious and look at other things. And how could you be clearer? Are you doing it with a mindset of partnership? Is there enough relaxation? You know, get curious. Um, but just know that that's one of those knobs you can turn. You can think about your timing and you can think, is this the right time? Okay. Another of the nine habits is to seek communication. 
asterisk footnote, but be able to control. So the art of communication is the language of leadership. So a couple things here. Communication is the language of leadership, and, and that's in contrast to what I, I mentioned just a second ago of um, shut up and just let me push you where you need to go. So that's not leadership. That's just pushing something around. And if you're interested in just pushing things around, I always am curious, you know, with people who tend to like the over-control method of training, it's like, why are, Why did you even pick a horse? Like pick a car or a motorcycle or something that is built to just be pushed around. <laughs> Hit the button, expect it to go. Um, but... <laughs> With horses, to me, it is that communication. We're two living beings. And the ultimate goal is we're having these conversations. Would you do this? Okay, great. That's enough. No, a little bit more. And when communication gets really refined, it looks less and less like cue response and it start, especially with dressage, it starts to feel more like a dance, like we're just together as two bodies and where my weight and my mind and my intention go, they go. So it, communication is a combination for me of cue. When I do this, I want you to do that. And the other part is an openness based in trust where they understand the basic alphabet enough that now we can just flow together. And, you know, I think that that's a very interesting subject because I do a, a lot of, you know, I use positive reinforcement. I might go, you know, when I do this, I want them just to back up. But then I also do, you know, dressage rainbacks with a certain engagement and different posture and, you know, you're kind of shaping and molding. So there's lots of different ways to communicate with your horse. But the goal is this communication where there's sort of an ask and answer. There's an I, I'm doing this and you're doing this because you understand what I mean. You understand the cue or you're open and you're feeling and you're trusting. Now, I also said, and that's the difference between leadership and just being a um, slave owner or, you know, just a mechanical, I push and shove you around. I want participation. I guess that's what I'm saying. Communication to me involves participation actively with a horse who's paying attention, looking to see what the answer is. And, and they're allowed to talk to me too and tell me what they like and don't like, and then I can adapt. So I, um, I really want my horses to tell me stuff. I don't like learned helplessness or submissiveness based on fear or force. Now the asterisk footnote caveat is in parentheses is seek communication, but be able to control. Um, the reality is we live in a world that's unsafe for horses and we want to be able to move them when we need to move them. Uh, we don't want to have to use that as our go-to on a daily basis. If I feel like I'm constantly controlling my horse, then I'm at the wrong end of the spectrum and I need to work on my education and my communication. But um, 
but the bottom line is if I need my horse to go, I, I need him to go. And if I need him to move over, he needs to move over. Knowing that they're huge and they don't really have to do anything, that it always is because they're agreeing to it in some way. But I, I look at these two different kinds of leadership. So the art of communication is the language of leadership. Um, there's two analogies I'll give you. One is I need to cross a six lane highway and I'm going across with my horse <laughs> and there's a break in the traffic, you know, and I have to like, there's a, there's wildfires coming or flaming alligators or something. And I have to get to the other side. I start to go across the highway with my horse right in the middle of six lanes of trucks and traffic going 75 miles an hour. He stops. Now I'm going to get that horse going as if our lives depend on it and we're going to go. And I'm going to say, I want to be able to, as a horse handler, say, you're going, come on. And he might not like it and he might not, and he might be scared, but we're going to get to the other side. And then I know I got homework to do. I got to work on my communication skills better and my trust. So that next time I go in a situation like that, he comes with me. But at the end, you know, if it was a human that I was doing that with, they'd probably thank me. Oh my God, you saved my life. I don't know what I was thinking, stopping in the middle of that traffic. Holy crap. <laughs> All right. Now, another kind of leadership, picture this, you're up in an airplane, you want to go skydiving and you want to, but you get up there, it gets to be your turn. The door opens, you're 15,000 feet up, the door opens and you're like, you freeze and you're like, hang on a second. And right as you're thinking, hang on a second, I push you out. <laughs> I use the other kind of leadership and I go, too bad, we're going. And I push you out. Like just, or fill in, if you love skydiving, then fill in something that you kind of think you want to do, but you're really scared of it. And I just push you on it when you're going, hang on, just give me a second. Now, hopefully you survive. The chute opens, we get on the ground. I don't know about you, but if that happened to me, I'd be, I'd lose trust in that person who just pushed me. I'd be like, I said, give me a second. And you pushed me. And, you know, I just needed you to give me a second. So that kind of, you know, there's some moments where we, the, you know, the, the horse says, give me a second. And we want to just give him a second and wait. Let him take a breath. Let him look. Let him, you know, assess, do what he needs to do. And they go, how about now? And he might go, I need another second. And you go, how about now? And this is what I call my permission game that I show in the horsemanship course. And sometimes just giving them a second is all that they need and is a different kind of communication and leadership. So your game <laughs> is to figure out which to use when sometimes we're going to need to control. And I would say, be able, you know, be able to do that. But the plan is to do that very sparingly. If you're going to do that, you have to get effective, but don't plan on using that a lot. But you, you want to be able to be effective if you need to be. But again, the goal is communication. The goal is a conversation, ask and answer, give feedback, give praise, give reward, give more feedback and thank them in the end. 
horse, would you do this? Is this enough? Yes, thank you. That's how I want the communication to be. Three more. We've done, we've done six of the nine habits. So uh, another habit is feel. Feel for your horse. He will tell you everything you need to know. So feel is a really interesting dial because there's a few dials within the, <laughs> the dial of feel. It can be, how are you feeling today? Like, on, how are you feeling? Are you grumpy? Are you happy? Are you frustrated? Are you confused? Like, how are you feeling? Because your horse is going to feel you. So how you feel on the inside, that's going to affect your decision making and the way you are being and applying your technique for sure. It will affect how your horse feels you, how, you know, your emotions on the inside, you might think that they're just on the inside, but believe me, your horses are masters at reading what you're feeling. So think about how you're feeling for yourself. Think about how you're feeling to your horse. Also, Think about how is your horse feeling? You know, they have good days and bad days. Are they feeling, uh, do they have a headache? I'm sure horses have headaches. Are they feeling extra fancy prancy? Are they feeling mischievous? Are they feeling uh, more aloof today? Are they feeling whatever it is, but they're feeling something on the inside. So see if you can take your best guess. We can never know, but we can look at their behaviors and, and, guess or kind of, you know, see what sort of category it's in. And, and then also how does your horse feel? Like, how does he feel in your hands? How does his, how do his muscles feel under your, you know, your touch? How does he feel with his responsiveness? How do your aids feel to him? How, you know, what kind of feel? I, an analogy I love to use for this is, um, is a handshake. So I do this at clinics. Sometimes I'll go down a row of people and I'll, um, I'll give everybody a handshake and I can do it in two ways. I can say my goal is to make a deep connection with each and every one of you just through giving a handshake. And I give a really funny video about this in the horsemanship course. So I could go down every single person and and have great awareness. And as I reach out, I can read their body language and see if they like something. If they take me strong, I can match them. If they're very soft, I can match them. I can follow them and, and I can change. I can give, if there's 10 people, I can give 10 different handshakes and each of them might feel like, whoa, I really feel connected with Karen, you know, cause I adapted to their handshake. I could also go down the line with the intention of like, you're going to know me. I don't really care what you think about my handshake, but you're going to know me. And I can just go give my handshake to every single person. And some of those people might feel really connected to me. Some of them might be like, whoa, she's kind of like intimidating. And other people will go, oh, that's kind of a dead fish handshake, even though I gave the same exact handshake. So there's a lot of variety that you can have with feel. So feel yourself. How do you feel to your horse? How's your horse feeling emotionally? How are you feeling physically and tactilely to each other? Definitely something to explore. 
and think of the handshake that you're giving your horse in everything you're doing. And can you change it? Is it working? All right. Two more. One is consistency and variety. So you want to be consistent without being boring and offer variety without being random. So these are really interesting knobs to turn. And I put them together because um, I'll always think of these together. They're two different knobs, but they're, they're two flip sides of the same coin. So if you need um, consistency builds confidence, right? But you, so if you do things the same way, the horse is like, oh, I get it. It's this way. But if you're too consistent, it starts to get repetitive. It starts to get mindless. It starts to get boring. They start to make assumptions. Variety builds engagement mentally, emotionally, physically. They're like, oh, what's going to, what's going to change today? What's happening? It can wake them up. Quick transitions. You know, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm turning right and I'm turning left. Like they're going to get a little more engaged, like a tennis player ready to return a serve. Um, it can wake them up. You know, the school horse that comes out, he's like, we always do this and we always do that. And you put some variety in and they'll be like, whoa, something different is happening. And you can see the neurons start to fire differently. But if you're always changing things, you risk being random. And some horses can get really anxious when they're starting to feel confused, like things are random. Some horses will shut down. So you know, if you, if your horse is turning off or getting anxious or something's happening, you can look and say, all right, are they, are they getting anxious because I'm being too random or are they getting bored? You know, some horses, when they're bored, they get mischievous. So how it shows up will be very, could be very different with different horses, but you can ask yourself, am I being boring or am I being random? So consistency, variety, two different knobs, but they're kind of two sides of the same coin. And the last habit for excellent horsemanship, according to me, is sense of humor. Horsemanship and life are lessons in lightness, and you can get serious results without being so serious all the time. So how can you build this into your system? Um, there's a guy, Benjamin Zander. I don't know if you've seen any of the um, videos he's done. You can look him up. He wrote a book called The Art of Possibility, and he's got some great videos on YouTube. Uh, Benjamin Zander, he's a conductor, and he has rule number six. And rule number six is don't take yourself so seriously. And I think, you know, we have to remember most of us are doing horses because we love them and it's, it's our fun spot <laughs> and we're doing it for fun. Even if we're professionals, hopefully you, you became a professional because you were having so much fun doing it when you were a student and a kid. And I think, you know, there's, there's the, with horses, there's the, the possibility of fear can come in. Again, we put the goals on, there's pressure. And at the end of the day, you know, life is to be enjoyed and our horses just want to be happy. And none of this really matters. You know, I, I remember one day I have, I've always had non-horsey friends. And I remember 
after a long day of work and training all these horses and I was tired and I was a little frustrated. I was a little worn down and I didn't have a good horse day. You know what I mean? And I remember I was over at his, his house and we were sitting around with a bunch of friends and I was like, Oh, and this horse was really hard. And this student and this was really difficult and I did bad in the show. And, and he starts just laughing. He went, Oh, poor Karen, her horsies didn't perform well today. And they just started laughing at me. And I'm like, okay, I needed that little dose of perspective, you know? So I don't know. I think when we want something as, as deeply as we want to do things with horses and we have to make sure that we check ourselves and make sure we have some systems built in place to bring in lightness and to be able to laugh at ourselves and be able to make a quote mistake. And it's not a mistake. It's just stuff that happens and go on with your life. And again, it's part of that reflex to relax, right? Clear it. No matter how much you mess up, clear it. Uh, My friend and I who ride together have this little code And uh, if I'm doing something and it's like just completely messing up, I'll say, well, that was the artist's rendition of a half pass or, you know, that was the movement soon to be known as Piaf, you know, or whatever it is. So we have these little codes built in and it helps us to stay light about it. It helps us to stay relaxed about it. So um, find your own equivalent of that. Um, some way to shake it off and and don't be so hard on yourselves and don't be so hard on your horses. And just remember that at the end of the day, um, we're so lucky to be with these horses and just enjoy. This is, this is life and it's meant to be enjoyed. So figure out why you're not, clear it and just move on. So in conclusion, <laughs> um, when you're out with your horse, and things aren't going well, or if they're going well, and you just want them to go even better, to think about these nine habits, these nine knobs or dials you can turn. And remember to ask yourself questions about your possibilities within each of these areas. And asking yourself, huh, what, how much can I turn that dial is going to lead you to discover new solutions or new options. And a really excellent question to ask yourself would be, hey, insert name of your horse here. How can I help you? How can I help you with, insert name of one of the nine habits? How can I help you gain more clarity? Hey, horse, how can I help you? How can I help you find more curiosity and confidence or whatever it is? How can I have more feel. So that's it. I hope that helps. And um, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email. Uh, If you go to the Facebook group, Dressage Naturally Land, that's a great place just to have conversations about anything and conversations about this podcast. So go to Facebook. It's called Dressage Naturally Land. You'll have to ask to join, but everybody is permitted unless you misbehave. And then we'll be talking, (laughs) but it's an amazing group. So I hope to see you there and please let me know how it goes. And again, if you want um, to do the whole horsemanship course, we go deep into all of this stuff, uh, dressagenaturally.net slash habits, or just go to dressagenaturally.net programs 
and look for all the all the online programs are there and you'll be able to find the Habits for Excellent Horsemanship course. Okay, that's it. If this episode resonates with you, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Training horses is a long game. The more you listen, the more pieces of the puzzle you'll have. To see all your learning resources, visit dressagenaturally.net. That's where you'll find free videos, online courses, my book. You can sign up for my Wednesday Wisdom email or even book a private consult. Most of all, remember, you got this. Never underestimate the possibility for things to improve in ways you cannot yet imagine. Till next time, love your horse, move in harmony, and enjoy the process. <laughs>